Welcome Chelsea fans to your home for all the talk and news about the champions of England. I'm Brian and joining me will be my co-host Andres. Get ready, this is the Star Spangled Blues Podcast. everybody to the Star Spangled Blues podcast uh, today. A little bit later in the week than we normally do. We had some issues, technical difficulties still due to the hurricane. Um, but, you know, we're going to get right back into it. Uh, we were going to talk about the transfer window closing this week. Um, and I think it was, you know, I think it was a relatively successful window, but we'll get into more into that in a little bit. Andres is joining me today. How's it going, Andres? Pretty good, Brian. Excited that we're able to still do our weekly episode and talk about the summer transfer window as a whole and deadline day and just what the squad will look like for the season. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. Um, you know, deadline day right after um, that deadline, you have, uh, I mean, you have the squad that you're going to have until January. Um, you know, it may shake up a little bit in January, but these are the guys you're going to roll out day in and day out um, to, to go and get that trophy and defend the title. Um, you know, we had, Caballero, Rudiger, Bakayoko, Murata, and then the two deadline day signings were Zappa Costa and Drinkwater. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, to hear your thoughts on the on the window. My 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 overall opinion was that I thought it was a pretty good window when you look at the talent that was brought in. Um, you know, these guys are guys that they know how to win. Um, they're not necessarily just replacements for guys that we had lost. Um, these guys have experience uh, winning trophies. I know Morata has the UCL. He's got uh, Serie A. He's got La Liga. And then Bakayoko, um, you know, people, we were talking about it earlier, people forget he was on the team of the team of the year in the Champions League. Um, you know, it's just a bunch of guys that I think um, will do well. A um, bunch of guys that fit our system well. Zappacosta being a guy that can cross the ball really well. Um, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was a good transfer window and people are really looking at the guys that we got on deadline day and they're a little bit disappointed but when you I think they're disregarding a little bit the guys that we got earlier in the summer you know when you look at the full transfer window I thought it was a really good group of guys that we brought in yeah and I I want to touch on that I agree that the players that came in were upgrades as well as replacements I think people just think okay well this guy replaced this guy well I don't know. I think these guys have plenty of room for improvement, plenty of room to prove that they are better than the guy they, whose spot they took previously. But I did have an issue on the way the Chelsea board did their business, and that's why I think I'm a little bit disappointed in this window. Uh, there's just, first of all, there's no reason to loan out some of the players that Chelsea did on that first week. For example, uh, Loftus-Cheek, um, I know Ake and Chalaba were both sales in the first week, but these guys could have potentially prevented having to make those last-second deals. I think you make you should buy first, then sell, because if you were to 
sell first thinking, oh, well, we're for sure going to be getting this guy. And then that business falls apart. Then you're in a hole, which I think Chelsea slightly was at that at the point of the deadline day. So that kind of bothered me, along with just some the lesson that wasn't learned from last summer when Chelsea was linked with Koulibaly. From the very beginning of the summer, he was supposed to be Conte's guy and who he wanted. And now, fast forward a year later, we see the same thing in the Alexandro saga. The guy was linked to Chelsea since, like, May, and every single week you hear, oh, it's going to happen, or no, Juventus is not selling, oh, Alexandro might put a transfer request. When you target a world-class player, you need to just pull the trigger, get it done, and get it over the line. You don't see teams like Barcelona messing around to get Dembele, or even PSG, who just decided, yep, we're going to sign the release clause for Neymar. If, if you really want a player, you need to make sure that you do the business in a way that shows the desire to get that guy. And I think Chelsea sent some low offers, which then just pissed off some other man, like sporting directors, which then led to some moves not happening at all. And, and that's what bothers me. I think the signings that did go through were great. I just wish that the board understood how to negotiate better, I guess. Yeah, and, and I've always kind of lived by the mantra that, you know, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So you're just saying it's better to have those guys, uh, you know, in the loan army uh, before sending them out by the guys. That way, you know, the holes you need with those guys before you send them out. That's your that's your complaint. Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, those young guys may think they're getting loaned out. Well, just wait just that extra week to make sure that the guy that's supposed to take their role comes in instead of just shipping them out and then being in this gray kind of limbo waiting for the new player to come in it's it's you sell first i mean you don't sell first sorry correction you don't (laughs) sell first you get the guy you want then you allow these young talents to get their playing time elsewhere right so as i mentioned um you got uh, Caballero, Rudiger, Bakayoko, Murata, Zappacosta, and Drinkwater coming in. Um, you know, like I, I said, I feel a good group of guys coming in in the window. Um, who are you looking forward to the most in, in out of the, the guys that we brought in? In a weird kind of curveball answer, I'm excited for Rudiger. And I know he's not the kind of guy that Chelsea signs and the fans go crazy over because he's not a big name or or hasn't really proven himself. But the reason why I think I'm most excited is because this move shows that the hierarchy at Chelsea trust Conte's three-in-the-back system, which was so successful last year. It also shows that Chelsea is now looking at a different model of center back. Uh, Sorry, Cahill, you're getting replaced by more athletic players with amazing passing abilities. And that's just what today's game asks for. Uh, David Luiz showed how amazing it can be to have a guy all as your last man start an attack. And Rudiger's got great passing as well. So he's going to bring that extra dimension where your center back is not only completing sideway pa- sideways passes or 10-foot passes. Like Rudiger can find a diagonal ball from the back line, and, and that's something that really excites me going forward. Yeah, I think it'll be uh, interesting to see what they do when Cahill does come back from that red card. I know I've said it time and time again. I, I would love to see uh, Rudiger stay on the field and uh, 
and and Cahill stay as far away from it as he can. Um, but for for <laughs> for my favorite guy that I'm looking forward to, uh, it's got to be the obvious Alvaro Morata. Um, you know, like I said, he's a guy that knows what it takes to win trophies. Um, he got Champions League, he's got La Liga, Serie A, uh, but from a more tactical standpoint, I think he's just a better, well-rounded striker. Um, he's great with the link up, which is going to be crucial with guys like Eden Hazard and, and linking up with Pedro and balls over the top from Fabregas. His hold-up play is, you know, much better than anything we saw from Michi, um, and one of the things that Diego Costa wasn't able to do is he has the ability to use his head to make something happen. Um, we've already seen it happen. He's got two assists with his head and two goals both with his head. Uh, and then I believe he scored another one this weekend uh, with Spain um, with his head. So in my mind, I believe he's an upgrade on Diego. That's nothing against the guy. I love Diego Costa. Um, you know, We'll see what happens with him. But going forward, I think Alvaro Morata is the guy. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, Morata is going to be one of the players that everyone's going to fall in love with this season. And I think those that have their worries are, are sticking to the fact that he has never been the guy at his previous teams. With with Juventus, he had Tevez. And at Madrid, he was playing with, alongside Ronaldo or James or Benzema with their two in the front system. But I think people forget that in Spain, he plays as the lone striker. And, and like you mentioned, this weekend showed again that he can play in that role and he's now been given the confidence by Chelsea and Conte to be that guy and and in a recent interview he came out and said that he owes his life to this chance and I think that extra motivation of doing what the most with the time he's given on the pitch is going to be exactly what Chelsea wants out of a forward a hungry super technical player who can not only is he going to do his job, but he's going to make those around him better. Yeah, so we, we talked about two guys that we brought in earlier uh, in the summer, but I want to talk about the two guys that we brought in on deadline day. Uh, first up, Danny Drinkwater. Um, you know, obviously from Leicester, he was on that team that uh, won the league uh, a few years ago or a couple years ago. Um, got him for 35 mil. Um, I believe that's euros. Is that correct? Or um, was that pounds? pounds? Actually, pounds. Okay. Okay, so 35 million pounds, um, not really a surprise, any, anything there. I think we were looking at him for a few weeks. Um, he's a Premier League champ, like I said. He's got experience in the Champions League last year, you know. Um, but, you know, he's, he's something that I didn't really know is he's got the second most completed passes in the final third uh, behind the guy that we already have on the pitch for us, uh, Cesc Fabregas. Yeah, so Drinkwater is not what you call a glamorous signing. But the guy, like you mentioned, is experienced. He's worked alongside Kante before. So in a two-man midfield, we can rest easy knowing that he'll be beside Kante because they've done it for a full season and they shocked the world. So that's great news. He's got got a pretty decent shot from distance, which I think uh, Chelsea hasn't really seen since the likes of Lampard on a consistent basis. I'm not saying by any means that Drinkwater is the next Lampard. I just want to clarify that. He is going to be a squad player. That is what his role is going to be. I do not expect him to start consistently ahead of either Bakayoko or Fabregas. I just think that having Drinkwater as a fourth option is a great luxury to have, especially knowing that no matter what situation Chelsea plugs him into, he's been there before. 
Right. Um, as the next guy we thought uh, we didn't, you know, it came out of nowhere, uh, Zappa Costa coming from Torino for 25 million pounds. Um, right wing back depth. You know, competition for Moses. We always say competition is good. It brings out the best in people. Um, he's, a, you know, looking at some highlights from him, I had never really heard of him. Uh, he's a pacey player. Uh, he's got a great crossing ability. That was the thing that stuck out to me. And behind, I believe, is Alexandro. He's got the second most completed crosses in Serie A. Um, so it's just kind of one of those cases where, hey, Juve, you're not going to sell us, you know, your guy. We're going to go get the next best one. I think it was a decent signing that not a lot of people expected. Um, it came out of nowhere. And uh, I think it'll be good to add depth. Um, we needed the wing back depth. So I think it's a good signing. Yeah, this, this signing has a very Marcos Alonso feel to it for a couple of reasons. One, he's coming from the Italian league where wingbacks are a staple. So we know he will be familiar with the with the positioning, with what his role should be. So that's already good news. Also, I had no idea who this guy was. And to be completely honest, I, I really didn't know anything about Marcos Alonso besides the fact that he had played, I think, for... Sunderland at some point in the EPL so that's another thing but the one thing that both of those guys have is that there were workhorses and that's something that Conte admires in his players I think Zapacosta from what I've seen again I'm not saying that I, I knew who he was ahead of time but what everyone that rates the guy says that his work rate is what makes him stand out yes he's got amazing crossing like you said he's got the second most crosses completed from open play so that's huge and, and I'm sure Morata is just loving the fact that this guy's coming in because that just means more balls into the area for him to to put away with his magical head so Zappa Costa is is a is a Conte style player so this guy's not going to be your Bellerin speed guy or he's not going to be your Danny Alves but he's going to be the guy that's fighting for the team every single minute and every single second of the game. Um, now I'm gonna ask you a quick question. Which, uh, how long do you think before these guys break into the to the squad? So, uh, in terms of Zapacosta, I think there's a good chance that a couple run of if he has two good performances, then just kind of like how Pedro displaced Willian, I think I could see Conte preferring him over Moses eventually, just because of that extra dimension with the passing. Uh, if he wants to be more direct, I'm sure he'll go with Moses over Zapacosta. And then in terms of drink water, there's <laughs> there's a potential of him having a very awkward welcome back to Leicester this very weekend. Yeah, that will be uh, interesting to see. Um, I, I think it's going to be a fun weekend. Leicester's always a good matchup. They've been playing decently this season so far. Um, so we'll see what happens after they lose uh, Danny Drinkwater and he comes to Stamford Bridge. Um so uh, with with we get, us getting depth at uh, right wing back, um, you know nobody coming in at left wing back. That means Kennedy stays. Uh, you know I've I've loved what I've seen from Kennedy um, lately, um, but you know haven't seen him in, in a little bit. Um, so what do you think about Kennedy staying? So that like you said, this is obviously sorry Newcastle. You're not getting Kennedy. Like there was a deal in place apparently as as long as cover came in. Uh, Zapacosta can play on the left, but I believe that he's a primarily right wing back, so that doesn't cover that situation. And I think Kennedy's one of those players that just needs to 
fix his attitude. I think he's got all the talent, and he just needs to be able to get on the pitch to show it. I just think, from what I've read, he's got a very bad uh, off the field. He just kind of doesn't really care. He may not be the hardest worker at, pra- at practice. Maybe that's what it is, but I think the guy could develop into a good left wing back. Uh, I think he... He, I mean, he's he's a good player. We saw what he could do under Hitting, when Hitting gave him a few run of games. That Norwich game where he could score from from outside the, the box. I think he's got the weapons in his arsenal to to do what Conte wants him to do at left wing back. The guy just needs to behave, work hard, and and, and earn that start. Okay, so now we're going to talk about something that's a little a little pressing for some Chelsea fans' hearts. Um, Diego Costa named to the 25-man squad for the Premier League. Um, he's not on the Champions League squad, um, but you know people are saying there's an athletic uh, Atletico deal in place for January. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. In my mind, I don't see any way he breaks into the team. I don't know if he's going to play in the Premier League. I don't know what what do you what do you think about him being named to the 25-man squad? So I think this is well. I think Chelsea might be doing this to kind of cover their behind because putting him on the 25-man squad then I think legally requires Diego Costa to come back to Cobham and train. Uh, I think this is Chelsea strong-arming him to get in shape the way they need him to be in shape because I don't think he'll be a Chelsea player come January. So being part of the Premier League squad adds a third striker to the roster in case... I'm crossing my fingers, knocking on wood, that none of our forwards get hurt. But I think he's more of like a very, very emergency situation kind of player. There's no way, like you said, he's going to play. Not putting him in the UCL for the Champions League, that's obviously so that he has resale potential. If you don't have him in the Champions League, then a Champions League side can come in in January, whether they have an injury or whether it's Atletico who can who will no longer have a ban and who's been his like dream and desire to return there to come in and get him. So I think that's Chelsea basically saying with the Premier League squad roster is saying, come back to London, get your fat behind in shape. And then for UCL not being added to the Champions League, that's just basically saying, hey, Europe, you're more than welcome to bid for him in January. I, I really thought that he would be out of Chelsea on the Spanish deadline day, which was the day after the English one. I guess a deal was not able to be completed with Atletico. But I've also been reading that there's also World Cup implications here. The World Cup is next summer, and I'm sure a player like Diego Costa doesn't want to just see Spain ride to Russia without him being there. So I think it's to to his best interest to actually come back work hard potentially work his way back into the team I again I don't in my head that's not going to happen but he's got a less than a year to make an impression that he can still be part of the Spain national side so I think this is a a thing that he needs he's gonna have to come back and work for it and I think putting him in the squad is just Chelsea saying well if you don't come we're gonna sue you and force you to come anyway 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if maybe, you know, having him there is going to be a locker room distraction, you know, knowing that he got replaced by Morata because, you know, having him seeing Conte every day who explicitly told him last January that he wasn't in his plans for next season. You know, it, it, it just, there's a lot of ways it could play out um, to Chelsea's disadvantage. Um, so I think that's an interesting thing to watch going forward. Um, on Twitter, we asked if you guys... Uh, had any questions that you wanted to hear us answer on the podcast a few of you responded so i think we're going to go ahead and take a look at those right now um the first one was from at chacon the savage he said with the transfer window closed which teams will give chelsea the most trouble on the pitch um i think this could be interpreted in uh one of two ways um i think it could be either you know when it comes to winning the league who is the chelsea's biggest competition and then um, you know, it could be who matches up on the pitch uh, best with with uh, Chelsea um, in terms of who guys on the pitch. Uh, I, I think in terms of who's the biggest competition, obviously you have to put United up there. Um, you know, nine points out of nine, uh, no goals conceded. I think those guys are uh, definitely the team to beat right now. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see once they play a team that's that's a little bit better. I think they've played more or less the bottom of the barrel from uh, from the beginning of the season to this point. Um, but, you know, on the pitch, I, I mean, I would say either City or Liverpool. I know you have more comments on this. Um, but when it comes to, you know, who matches up best, I think City and Liverpool uh, would probably be the two uh, that have the best attacks going forward. But I'll let you, I'll let you chime in on that. Yeah, so before I get to the the one-on-one kind of battle. I want to say that I agree with the Manchester United pick for being someone that's going to battle till the very end of the season with Chelsea. I think it's typical Jose Mourinho. He's, I don't know what how he does it, but the second season is when he has his best year with teams, and, and United seemed to be following that trend. He was missing a few pieces, and now they look like a whole new team, and they're playing pretty exciting football, and while, like you said, they've played poor sides, obviously. They're not playing – they haven't played a Tottenham or a Manchester City yet. So uh, the nine points take them as they come, but they have scored plenty, and they look like they're playing well. So I think, like you said, Man United will be one to look at later in the season to see whether they're at the top or whether they're just – fighting to get there it's going to be an interesting one with them and on the pitch I think surprisingly before the transfer window I don't think I would have said this but Liverpool is now probably what I think in my mind is one of the scarier matchups and while they have plenty of holes in the back line what I'm most afraid of is their counter attack so they were able to keep Coutinho from going to Barcelona at least till January, but he's here and Chelsea hasn't played Liverpool. So there's a chance that at any point in a game, Liverpool could be counterattacking with lightning speed. You have Coutinho, Salah, Mane, and Firmino. So those guys, I, I don't, I can't think of a single back line that can outrun those guys. So on a counterattack. All you need is one through pass, and and those guys are in. So I'm I'm very afraid of their counterattack potential on a one-on-one kind of game. I still think their holes in the the back are gonna be the reason they do not win the league or are top 
I'm going to say top three. I don't think they'll be in the top three. But a Chelsea versus Liverpool game is a very scary thing to just kind of think about. And then there's Manchester City. Like you said, they they just have so much talent. And, and they have a lot of flexibility. If, if Pep can tinker with that squad and formation and finally find the perfect 11, which for him, which I think he will eventually be able to do. I think City is a very scary, uh, very scary team. You have Gundogan, who still has to come back. Yaya Toure, if needed to bring physicality in the middle, has also the ability to just pick a pass. Silva looks like he's got new life. Then you got Jesus, Sterling. I mean, the, the list goes on for attacking power. So it's one of those things where... City's always a tough game. I know last season Chelsea did the double on them. They won both games, but you know that changes every year. And and I think their additions have made them a very very strong side. All right. Next question comes from at Ditoto sixty eight on Twitter, and I'll let you go ahead and and start off with this one because you had a pretty good answer when we were talking about it earlier. He said, "What do we think of the transfer or the increasing transfer fees? Can the leagues keep up with the inflation of prices?" Yeah, so obviously this transfer window has been one for the history books, starting with the Neymar release clause being activated for over 200 million uh, euro from PSG. So uh, the way I see it is this is one of those summers where the bar for what you consider a world-class player, a good player, and a squad player is is raised. So we saw this happen. We'll, we'll track back a little bit. So when Zidane joined uh, Real Madrid, he went to Madrid for a fee of about, I want to say, 40-something to 50-something pounds, million pounds. And that was the world record transfer. And for the next four or five years, no player surpassed Zidane until Cristiano Ronaldo moved to Manchester from Manchester United to Real Madrid for about uh, double the amount, so 80 to 90 million. Then after that, it that was when the prices were going up, and you were thinking that a good to decent player is now worth what Zidane was worth to Real Madrid years back. Then we see that happen again with uh, Bale. This time was only a few million, so that bar of how you how much you pay for a player doesn't change much and then you see it go up 20 million with Pogba which leads to players like Danny Drinkwater being now worth 35 million but then you have the big kahuna here with Neymar now he's worth 200 million and now that's where the bar is set for a world-class player Uh, going forward I don't think next season we'll see a 400 million pound signing I think that for the next five seven years I think Neymar will be the standard I don't think any other player is going to move clubs for a higher price than that obviously Dembele already moved for over 120 million to Barcelona and I know that Mbappe next summer is going to be worth something around 180 million so I think for a while we won't be seeing those prices go up again it's still just baffling that a human being can be cost that much money for about five years of good service to a team. It's 
it's crazy that Neymar is worth more than the GOP of a small European nation. And, and that's a part that I think is, is leaving people just in awe. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's sustainable when you really look at it. Um, you know, you were talking about it, you know, Neymar being worth more than, than the price of a, a small European nation. Uh, because of that, I don't think it's sustainable to keep increasing and inflating the prices like that. I think the bar has been set. I think it'll be set there for a good amount of time. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't see how it can go up much more <clears throat> if, if, you know, I just don't think it can go up that much more without, you know, bankrupting people just beyond their ability to pay for a player. You know, it's a person um, who's worth that much money. It's just mind blowing to me. It's been a crazy transfer window. Uh, but like I said, I don't think it's sustainable um, for the prices to keep in- increasing like they have been. Yeah. Um, eventually, I think teams would end up if, if this trend continues, then teams are going to end up looking like. I don't know, let's say Neymar and Mbappe surrounded by Division Three talents because there's no way an owner can pay the salary required to have a, a full 11 of good to world-class talent. Yeah, uh, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, on to the last question we have from, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, from at Shanze Muhammad says, how do you expect Chelsea to repeat now that they will have to compete and try to win more games in the Champions League as well? Um, for me, that comes down to um, Conte being able to rotate the squad. Um, you know, uh, early on, you're going to have some of those Premier League games against uh, sides that, you know, aren't, you know, Manchester United. They're not Manchester City. They're not Liverpool. Um, you know, those might be games where if you have a midweek uh, Champions League game against someone like Atletico or uh, uh, Inter, who's in our group, um, you know, or Roma, sorry, I don't know why I was thinking Inter, Um, Atletico and Roma, um, you know, if you have a midweek Champions League game, sometimes you might have to play some of those younger guys against those uh, lesser Premier League squads to try and uh, get some guys rest. I think it's going to come down to rotation. I think Conte knows how to do it. Um, but that's what it's going to come down to for me is is the the efficiency of the player rotations. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be obviously a lot harder. I think Chelsea's expectations should still be to go out there and compete for every single trophy. I don't I don't see Conte pulling a Jose Mourinho and throwing all his eggs in the European tournament basket like Mourinho did last year with with the Europa League. Uh, and I think, like you said, it comes down to having that depth. I think they late in the summer, Chelsea was able to add to that depth. I think at this point, Chelsea has a, not like for like, but they have a player that can replace one of the starters formidably at each of the key positions. So I think that's going to be extremely important, like you said, especially this month of September when there's, I believe, seven games. And then in December, when the Premier League has sometimes up to three games in seven days. So, like you said, it's going to come down to putting the right players in situations to succeed. And I think Chelsea now have it. I think the bench has, like you said, it's gotten a little stronger. We got Musonda back, who's just waiting to get that chance at the wing and and show what he can do on offense. Uh, You've got... Zapacosta, who was a starter at Torino, ready to replace Moses. Kennedy has now had a full year in the EPL under his belt. 
you know, if Bakayoko and Conte aren't playing, you have Drinkwater and Fabregas. I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that. So I think the rotation will be important, and I think Conte's a smart enough manager to, to put players in a place to succeed. Right. Um, I, I think it... I think we have the right guy at the helm to to do that. I think uh, Antonio Conte is going to show, um, you know, why we kept him around and 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 why we put him in this position to uh, succeed in the Champions League and the Premier League and you know the FA Cup too. Um, so this weekend, uh, Leicester on Saturday, I believe it's not Sunday, right? I think it's on Saturday. Um, Leicester on Saturday. Um, it's going to be interesting. I know you talked about a drink water reunion right out the gates. Um, and then uh, the man, uh, Hazard, coming back this weekend. Uh, played well for Belgium. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see Morata and Hazard up front. I think it'll be interesting to see Drinkwater um, as well. I-, I, think, um, I think there's a lot to look forward to this weekend. Yeah, I, I think every Chelsea fan is just ready to see Hazard step up in the EPL pitch and remind everyone that he is the league's best player. I honestly think that this is the year that Hazard can cement himself as a top 10, even top five player in the world. I think that you mentioned he's already, he came back from a broken foot or ankle and he already scored for Belgium. I know it was against Gibraltar, but the guy, the guy is coming back as if nothing ever happened. I think he's, matured enough to know what is needed of him what is asked for him to do on the pitch and and I just see with now Morata helping him get more goals or maybe even just more assists I think this is going to be an even stronger year from Hazard for Chelsea and and so just getting him back on that lineup is going to do wonders for this team now on the drink water end I think it'd be kind of funny just for him to have to start against Leicester his very first match with Chelsea. I'm sure he's going to be very respectful about his former employer, and I don't expect anything less from the guy. But I want him to score and to win and <laughs> do what he can to make Chelsea get the three points. So I think we're going to see our uh, Chelsea's strongest performance to date of this Premier League. Even though Leicester has had a good start to the season, I think just adding Hazard back and, and finally feeling – a sense of normalcy within Chelsea is going to be is going to be great great to watch. All right. Well, um, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, those of you that sent in questions, I hope we answered them. Uh, if not, hit us up on Twitter. We'll be happy to clarify anything. Um, going forward, short turnaround for us. We're going to have the Leicester game on Saturday, and then we'll be back to our normal upload time uh, next week. Um, other than that, uh, if you have any questions, send them to us on Twitter. It's at SSBluesPod. Um, Andres, do you have anything to add? No, we have a, only a few more days till we get to see Hazard step back on the pitch. That's always exciting. And, and they, thank God the international break is officially over. Uh, I know us here in the USA can't be more excited to just not have to watch USA struggle against mediocre sides. So EPL is back. Good football is back. Let's get excited. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week.